Hey, what is going on everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Mario's Minute. This is episode 19, the July 2018 episode, or 2019. Wow, already messing that up, but too late, we're already here. Anyways, uh, this is a monthly podcast that I like to do, and this is essentially just a podcast where I talk about whatever the hell I want to. There's normally no specific topics I'm going into. There is some recurring themes, but... What I like to compare it to for first-time listeners is uh, back in the day on YouTube several, several years ago when gaming commentaries and such were popular, where you kind of just talk about a life story or some completely unrelated thing. You tell a story of some kind and you match it up to gameplay. I really liked doing those, and those are kind of just shorter podcasts. Well, this is just kind of a longer version of that, except without the gameplay, so... Because this is a podcast, you can find it on most major podcasting platforms by looking up Mario's Minute. On top of that, you can also check out the video itself, which the video is nothing really too big. It's just my photo with a visualizer on there and some cool looking stuff. At least I think it looks cool, but that's at least where I check comments and everything. So if I mention anything about comments, it's generally going to be there and it's going to be on my channel, Mr. Mario 2011. What I have been doing is I've been trying to get a guest on every other month, and this seems to be one of those guest months. So I do have someone with me on the line right here who I know uh, you haven't done any podcast stuff in a while from what you told me, but uh, I guess I'll just have to ask, uh, who the hell are you? <laughs> it's been a minute. Uh, yeah, I'm Skeletor, and uh, hmm, usually I make tutorial videos, but today I'm trying to get back into the podcast life. Right on, right on. Well, I'm, I'm happy I could kind of sort of help you out with this, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Anyways, how are you doing, man? Yeah, pretty good, man. Pretty good. Can't complain. I got you. Yeah, I know prior to this, you said, because we're, just for, for everyone's record, we are, uh, we're recording this on, for me, it's July 25th, uh, but for you, you're in the future right now in July 26th, where you've been playing Fire Emblem. <laughs> That's right, you know, I do double as a time traveler. It's just yeah. my thing. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I know uh, Skullator, you and I ended up getting acquainted. Uh, this was last year when you were going through some channel troubles, and uh, I did know um, about what was going on and such, where I guess, um, tell, tell the people a little bit about yourself so I don't, I don't uh, mess this up here. Ugh, glorious, glorious memories. Well, um... <laughs> It all started for me in October of last year. Uh, I got just, it seemed like a business as usual copyright strike. I mean, it was my first copyright strike since I've been doing homebrew content, but it seemed easy enough to deal with. Um, it was on an, it was the Executor OS video that I did. So not the little pro dongle, but just the uh, custom firmware. And, uh, it was easy enough to defend myself from, you know, I just did the appeal. I said, uh, I feel like this is not in infringing on Nintendo's copyright or whatever. And probably within 24 hours, that strike got cleared up and I didn't think too much of it. But then just a few days later, the same video was taken down, but this time it was a community guideline strike issue. And it was the reason given was circumvention of technological measures, which I had never heard of at the time. Uh, it's not actually new. It's been around. I think it was you that actually made me aware of that. But um, mm, that was frustrating because straight away when you get one strike on YouTube, you lose the ability to stream. 
and you also can't upload I think for a short period of time so it was a bit more serious than just a copyright strike um, but anyway I did the appeal process and I felt like you know I see lots of similar styles of content on YouTube maybe I've just been flagged by some malicious entity still not really sure at this point and yeah so that appeal only took a few days and I got an email from YouTube saying, you know, after manual review, your content does not breach our community guidelines and video went live again, no issues at all. So I just thought, well, I guess I'm through the looking glass now. It's, it's all good. We've made it. Um, but what happened almost immediately after that appeal was successful was the same video received the exact same community guideline strike and yeah it, it went on and on until December of last year but in that time I received I think it was somewhere between 15 and 20 uh, of these same community guideline strikes probably only on about four or five different videos total and oh it was a frustrating experience to say the least <laughs> Jeez, yeah I've had um I, I know that's how that's how we got acquainted because I had been familiar with the channel a bit before and it's one of those things personally I don't really I don't really follow tutorial channels all that much like in my same sphere unless I you know become a little personal or friendly with them and yep. uh, that's more due to the fact that it's not even like a competition thing or anything with me it's more I kind of try and have my own style do things my own way. And I guess in one way it can be good to look at, you know, how your competition's, you know, doing things. But at the same time, I also know, and I kind of feel like myself, if I start watching, you know, very similar content as to what I'm doing, I might accidentally or subconsciously feel like I'm copying what someone else is doing. So I know with you, I've been aware of your channel and I'd like seen it here and there. And even the content that you were making that I knew I wasn't going to. So like the SX stuff, for example, I did check out those videos and I thought they were great. Um, but I think it was around the time when you were like in October, when you were getting your first strikes, I did start personally messaging you. And I was kind of telling you about, yeah, like the CTM type thing and some of the experiences I had had before in regards to community guidelines stuff. And I think at the time I was even recommending like, hey, kind of keep these on private, change the metadata a bit, see if see if this will make a difference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, I guess one thing that really took me by surprise was right at the end I got two strikes at once, so I went from one strike to three strikes on the same day, and one of those videos at least was private, and <laughs> it was my first time sort of realizing that even if a video is private, it can still catch a strike in that way, so mm -hmm. that was a bit gutting. I, I think that's been, in the past few years, that's kind of been a fail-safe, so to speak, that has gone to the wayside. Because uh, I know several, several years ago that that method was actually recommended to me of like, hey, if you have any any other content that could be struck or anything that might be similar to what's already gone down, put it on private. And apparently that's actually what some networks used to recommend before. Um, but as you know, and as I'm sure other people might know through situations that have gone more public, um, at, at this point, you know, if if an entity has a URL and, you know, it, they're already flagging it or what have you on there. I mean, it can be any type of status and something can still go through on it. Sure. Ugh. Not fun. Yeah. 
I know, uh, but you are, uh, I, I know, to, to get off the sad news there, uh, you are on a new channel now, aren't you? Yeah, um, have started a new channel called The Homebrew Crow, and uh, yeah, I, I realized, it took me a few months to realize, but, uh, you know, I was surfing the web even after my channel got terminated, and I'd still be keeping notes about videos that I wanted to make, and... <laughs> I sort of reflected on that and I was like, wait, I wouldn't be making these notes unless I still wanted to be creating content. So I guess it's time to get back on the horse. <laughs> right on. Well, well, welcome back. I've tried to, uh, I, I will have your channel linked down below in the description of this video or this podcast on YouTube, of course. Uh, and, and I've tried my best to, you know, kind of push out your videos a little bit as well too, because you really do get some good, do some good shit, dude. Oh, thanks, man. You've been extremely helpful with raising signal noise on that stuff. So, well, I try. Really I try. Thank it. you. <laughs> yeah. No, I was even. I was thinking on this with what you were talking about with your original stuff. Have you? Um, I don't know if we talked about this, but have you heard about uh, Monkey Jones? What he went through with YouTube? Uh, the name doesn't ring a bell. Maybe we did talk about it, but I can't remember. What was that guy's deal? So essentially, that that was one of those where it was it's actually pretty scary of like this happening to a creator but you know he had several hundred thousand subscribers he was full-time youtuber he had several different channels and uh he just kind of went through a complete deplatforming on youtube where uh Ouch. he had yeah he had been known for uh he was a I guess a dark comedian and real, real edgy comedy, I guess you can say. Uh, but his thing was he had, you know, a lot of dark humor, a lot of kind of that edgy stuff on his channel. And he was mainly known for making satirical videos about Elliot Rogers, who was a shooter at a college. And uh. there had been several times where he had faced copyright issues or he'd faced uh, termination issues or he'd faced strike issues. And he always bounced back, thankfully. And like, you know, there'd be some uprising of some kind or like, you know, his, his name would really make the rounds and everything would get resolved. So what happened was it was just one day uh, he had. I think he's had a total of four channels, something like that. Uh, but his two, he had a main channel and a side channel here. Um, one day he said he woke up, his main channel had two community guideline strikes, his second channel had two community guideline strikes, and all the strikes were on Elliot Rogers' videos. And mm. uh, so on his main channel, I, th I think on both of them, no, I, I know it was his main one for sure, because I was following it when it happened, he privated all of his videos and then yeah. he had a hidden video that he had uploaded like a year before saying, hey, if this video goes out, this is an emergency. There's something really bad going on on the channel. So stay yeah. tuned. And uh, then a few hours later, his uh, he got a third strike on his main channel and that got terminated. His second channel ended up getting terminated. His I'm trying to think. I think he spun up another channel. That one got terminated or something. Um, he even brought in, I, this might have been the same one, I don't remember, but there was one channel where he he created it, and then he essentially had, I don't even know if he created it, but apparently his girlfriend was the one who owned it, operated it, managed it, and everything, and he had like two videos that he produced and she uploaded on there, and that channel just got completely terminated. Um, oh, wow. And at the same time, it was within a few minutes there is another podcast he's on with three with two other people called State of the YouTube Podcast. It has its own channel. Within a few minutes of that channel 
that he was on that was run by his girlfriend getting terminated, the podcast channel got demonetized. Wow. So it was just way too coincidental. But the reason why I kind of bring this up, too, is because on his main channel, um, he had two public videos that got struck down. And then his third video, and he was like, he, he was really fighting the Team YouTube Twitter account on this. But yeah. his third video, they got struck down. Um, he caught YouTube in a lie because they said, uh, your videos were manually flagged, and when they were flagged, they were reviewed, and then they were struck down. And his third video, he had evidence. He said, that is complete BS, because the third video, it was, this is what the video was. I uploaded it as a private video to test something. It had zero views on it. If it had zero views, how could anybody publicly flag it? Hmm. And they, point. they were never able to answer that. And I think even with that... Um, he had pointed out, he said, my, because it was, it was like a music video of some kind. He said, my private music video with zero views, you claim got manually flagged, and that was the third strike on my channel. But this other channel publicly uploaded it, and they have not had any repercussions. How is that? Because I guess mm -hmm. he was doing like a collaboration on it. And I think like the next day, the public one ended up getting struck down. But still, just the point of showing that a video with zero views is a video that YouTube claimed was manually reviewed. They they were just they were just wanting him gone off the platform. Exactly, and that's extremely frustrating from the creative side of things because we until that point we felt like, hey, this is a great platform. You know, I, I personally really enjoyed making videos for YouTube and and you know the the way that they monetize it and pay you. It, it's a, all a pretty amazing system, and you know you kind of start liking YouTube. And then having received 15 emails from them saying, oh, your content upon manual review doesn't break any rules, you know, <laughs> it, it instills faith. And, yeah, and then you learn, <laughs> you learn that it's all a farce. Yep. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating with, uh, thankfully I've been, I've been okay for the most part since the 3DS days, but God, it, it can, it, I, this is completely unstable, which is why I've told people for years, I'm just like, yeah, I don't recommend doing YouTube full-time. I'm not trying to do YouTube full-time. I'm, I'm one of those people. I'm like, I'm doing this as a hobby. I'm enjoying it. I'm just, I don't know how long this is going to go on for, but I'm just enjoying it while I have it. I think we're pretty similar in that regard. And yeah, it's a nice creative outlet. It's a very cool side gig, but mm. Yep. I wouldn't envy people that do it as a career. You, you know, one one thing I'm thinking of with this, um, because I, I know YouTube, they state, hey, if you, it is a per-channel, well, it, it's a per-person termination. If you, as a content creator, end up getting terminated, you cannot own or operate any other channel. Um, mm -hmm. So you know, like, those are the rules, right? Yep. So... I've thought of this so many times, and I, I think you might be a good person to discuss it with. I don't even know how far we'll get into it, but what if one of the rules of YouTube is you cannot own a YouTube channel if you are under 13? So if there is someone, let's say, who is a eight-year-old who has mm -hmm. a YouTube channel, and this does happen, they get their channel terminated by YouTube because it is discovered by YouTube this user is under 13, and they own and operate a channel. Okay. That's a lifetime ban, is what they say officially, but do they really mean, like, when that person is 18, when they're 25, when they're 42, when they're 57, they can never, ever own a YouTube channel because of what they did when they were 8? That's My guess a long would be, time. They're talking about that email account, and, uh, 
yeah, like if I log into my main Gmail account and then just do anything related to YouTube, I'll just get straight sent straight to the termination page, you know? Right. Um, so I guess those kids have to just pick up a new email account. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just, I'm just thinking how scared that is of a lifetime thing. And I think it's, it's even so, even some people are going to say, oh, well, you know, it's quote unquote lifetime. Like there's been, there's been exceptions made. I know, um, like SS Sniper Wolf, for example, she's huge YouTuber. She's had terminated channels. Um, Keemstar, notoriously known for that. He was doing a bypass on his channel and, uh, he actually got, straight like he he got a second chance from youtube like they had i I don't know if you know about that but they actually had uh meetings and everything with him about it oh wow yeah um it was i think it was on uh his episode of the h3 podcast he was on where he said that uh it was when drama alert's always been growing but when it was exponentially growing and it was just a huge channel YouTube had opened up a, you know, investigation against him and they end up getting into a meeting with him and they pretty much said, hey, we will give you a pardon. And he said, that's fine. Just don't touch any of my channels. And they said, that's okay. You're never going to get any of your old channels back. So like the 20 that have been terminated, we're not bringing those back. And he was like, no, I I agree to this. And we're just, we're just going to start fresh. The old channels are dead. Just don't touch any of my current ones, but I am allowed to make new ones. Interesting. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things, if you get big enough, YouTube will just look the other way, or, or if enough time passes, I guess, which I guess is, I guess that's realistically how they would handle, you know, this high, the, hypo, the hypothetical I threw out of, like, an eight-year-old child getting terminated for having a underage account, and then making an account where they're 25 or 26. Yeah, I'm sure if that uh, underage kid had, you know, 100k subs as well, that'd probably reactivate that account when they turned 13 or whatever it is. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, I, it, it's weird. I've seen that, too. Um, one of my... He doesn't do much content anymore, unfortunately, but one of my favorite creators, um, Blackbuster Critic, uh, he had his main channel terminated, and he's not the only one I've seen like this, but, you know, he went through a few other channels, and some of them got terminated, some of them were still available, but for whatever reason, like, one or two years ago, his original channel just came back up. Like, wow. no rhyme or reason or explanation. It just came back up. It's public-facing and everything. Like, nothing ever happened. Hmm. That's bizarre. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'll have to keep my old channel bookmarked and uh, just hit that up once every month or something, just in yeah, case. Yeah, I, I, I would say definitely just, just keep an eye on that. But even so, I mean, I know uh, Homebrew Crew is doing real well now, thankfully. So even it's kind of one of those where um, I know I've seen that where some creators, they will, you know... Uh, their old channel will go away for whatever reason, whether it's a termination or they close it down or something and they miss their old channel. And then it's like, well, their new one ends up surpassing it or it's doing even better than before uh, Mm. in some capacity. And it's like, well, the old channel would be cool to have, but then it's like, wait a minute, that's been, even though that was, you know, a let's say a 50,000 subscriber channel, that's been down for what, two, three years. Actually, the new channel would be better to use. (laughs) yeah it's really complicated when you start thinking about the name and the traffic and all that as well for sure (laughs) man nothing can be easy i guess Mm, i guess yeah so one thing i was wanting to know uh, about you is uh i know you had gotten uh, obviously you're in the modding sphere and everything in terms of content creation and such uh but i guess 
how long have you been doing this for like the just modding itself without videos or anything and what really got you into that because that, that's something I always find fascinating with other modders that I talk to. Hmm, I'm trying to think. So I guess what got me into it would have been probably around 2009, 2010, the PlayStation 3 custom firmware scene. That's probably in a big way a lot of the soft modding side, side of stuff anyway picked up from there. But I guess earlier than that, like having a mod chip in the PlayStation 1 back in the 90s, that was something you could do. And then you could uh, run import discs from Thailand and stuff like that. Like that was a known thing in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> now, and, by, uh, by imports, do you mean true imports or do you mean like the, the pressed silver discs? I mean burned games for sure. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so it's always been a hobby growing up and stuff, but... Uh, yeah, PlayStation 3 custom firmware scene was probably the origins for me into getting into soft modding in a big way. I gotcha. So growing up then you did have a modded PS1? My neighbor had a PS1 that was soft there modded and I, I, I was the N64 kid. Oh, gotcha. And flashcards didn't really exist and I I really doubt you had like a doctor like V64 or something like that. <laughs> nah, nothing like that back then. Right on. Yeah, I know for... Uh... For me, it was like, I think it was, I'd messed around with, you know, some stuff on PC and everything, uh, but it was much later, but still with the PS1, it was around 2004, 2005, where in short, the game Thrill Kill, uh, I ended up finding out about that game. I was just, I was obsessed researching it for a while, and that kind of got me into the world of ISOs and burning games and boot disks and mod chips and all that stuff, because it was just, my goal was okay, people are playing this game. How do I play this game? That name's ringing a bell. Was that a cancelled game? It is. Yeah, it's. I, I would say it is the most notorious cancelled PS1 game. Uh, it was supposed to be a four-player brawler that was going to release, like, Halloween of 1998. And then uh, what happened was it was developed by Paradox Interactive, published by Virgin, EA ended up purchasing Virgin, and then a few weeks before release, EA's official answer they said was, we're canceling this game because it's too violent. Ugh, that's awful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's playable, there though, and there's there's many betas that are out. There's like a... The full copies are out. There's censored and uncensored versions, and then there's at least um, two NTSC and PAL betas that are out. Did you say it's four-player as well? It is four-player, yeah. That, that, was, that was big for 1998. That's a crime, yeah. The PlayStation 1 definitely needed as many of its multi-tap games mm-hmm. to be it released, was, for sure. It was, a, it was a different type of fighting game as well, too, because as opposed to dealing in health, you essentially build up a rage meter, and then once you, the first person to build it up is able to do a thrill kill against another player and knock them out, and then, you know, you go from four players to three players to two to one is the winner on that. So it was, it was a cool setup. Were they gruesome, like fatalities were? Yes, yes, yeah. There was there was a whole lot of stuff where people getting sliced and diced and pulled apart each and every way, and yeah, no, it was it, it was a good old gruesome time. No, oh, that was huge in the nineties. That whole uh, controversy about violent video games. So yep, yep. I, I still why. I still need to pick this up. I still haven't played it to this day. But uh, the game the game Wu Tang Shaolin style is actually kind of just a rebranded version of thrill kill all right i never yeah. knew that that's interesting yeah there's that and then even what shocked me is apparently because they built a whole new engine for the game so if you've played 
X-Men Mutant Academy, X-Men Mutant Academy 2, or even surprisingly Rock'em Sock'em Robots on the PS1, all those games use the same engine. <laughs> huh, interesting. Yeah. So we, we got we got some official use out of it, but yeah, no, it was it, it was definitely interesting to check out. And I think even it still lived on internally. I believe I'd read that because, you know, they, it takes a lot, a lot of money and resources to build an engine. So even sure. what Activision, I, I guess they somehow got involved with some of that because, you know, they end up pressing, um, well, they, they worked with uh, X-Mute Academy and such. Uh, the developers and the owners of the engine were actually using Thrillkill to demonstrate and pitch new games because they're like, hey, we can do a game and it's designed like this and this is what we're planning on doing and it's going to require a, a whole different engine than what's on the market, but guess what? We have a full game that we developed with this engine so we know it's possible. <laughs> they made it work for them then. They did, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's good that well, the, uh, the ISO made it online too so that the emulation community yeah, could get a hold that- of it. I, I think that for a while it was really hush-hush, but I think now it's it's kind of known that disgruntled developers ended up leaking it online because it's, it, it's one of those things. I mean, just imagine, you know, you're, you're working on a game for... Like, again, I have to stress, the game was done. Like, it was done. And then EA just came in and said, no, we're canceling because it's, it's too violent. You'd be proud of your work, hey, and you'd want people to be playing it and enjoying it. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, now I know I know even on that I think with the with the PS3 scene you were getting in right in like the twilight of it then when uh like were you getting in when GeoHot was working on it and such? Yeah, I was right there when all that news was picking up and I was following it closely and it was real lucky cuz I had two PS3s just for fighting game purposes. I had one that was on Wi-Fi and one that was just out in my living room like almost as a Blu-ray player pretty much. Um mm-hmm. so when it first, uh, when the news first turned up and GeoHot did his first release, I believe the firmware that was required was 3.41. And it just so happened that one of my PS3s was above that, the connected one, and then the one in the living room was actually able to use that exploit on day one pretty much. You couldn't do much with it, but it was, you know, it was all happening. So it was cool. That, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I know for me, I missed out on that, unfortunately, because it was... Um... I was coming from the PSP scene on there where firmwares were just getting ripped apart within a few days of being released and we had, you know, nice custom firmware and everything. So I think I found out about the jailbreak stuff. Like I I found out about it when I was on firmware 3.56 because I remember that, yeah, you needed 3.55 obviously. And then me thinking in the PSP days, I was like, oh, okay, cool, my own fault. I decided to update. So I guess I'm just going to disconnect the PS3 from the internet and uh, wait for a downgrade. Yep. Absolutely and I waited. Brutal. And I waited. And I think I waited at least six months. And I was just like, damn, this is not going to be like the PSP, is it? So I updated. And I mean, good thing I did because I got use out of it. And it was, you know, it was a little bit disheartening. But thinking about it, so, so that's when that happened. I think it was that. That had to be, yeah, 2009, 2010. I want to say, no, that was 2010, I believe, because that's when I got my first PS3. Um, gotcha. But no, I remember that was happening, and I waited, nothing came of it. But thinking back on it, nothing happened. There was no downgrade. There was no software-only solution, as you know, until 2017. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
it was a secure system. They just couldn't account for GeoHot's level of craziness, I guess. And exactly. And took, the way they took that they, long. The way they fixed that was they just banned GeoHot from touching any Sony stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. They um, settled out of court or something, didn't they? Yeah, and I remember GeoHot. He he took down you know the Sony stuff he put online, and he kind of came out. He, he had a message that was something like, "Yeah, buy a Microsoft, buy a Nintendo, buy a whatever, but don't buy a Sony, guys." Anything but Sony. Yeah. Um, did Did you ever see the video of him where I, he was invited to a hacker conference in China, and uh, it was one of the early 4.0 PS4 exploits that they were showing? Never saw that. So he he was he was there as a guest for it, and they end up getting a brand new PS4 right out of the box. They end up loading an exploit on there, and at the time it was really big because they were able to have sound running and such uh, through, I believe, Linux, which they weren't able to publicly do. Right. And uh, they invited GeoHot on stage. They're like, okay, so they're like, Mr. Mr. GeoHot, what do you think of this? And he's just kind of there. He's like, uh, well, you know, legally I can't really say if I liked it or not, but... Um, you know, good job, guys, and uh, the WebKit, that was pretty cute. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I guess I guess that's the best explanation you'll get out of GeoHot. That's acceptable. Probably been told he can't call me in a... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the what, line. yeah, that's why he kind of said, he's like, yep, legally, I can't say it was good or not. <laughs> <laughs> good times. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I guess on that, what's your, uh, what's your favorite type of mod been whether it been ps3 or anything else mm. well i know it sounds like it's kind of an open kind of a big question <laughs> <laughs> well ps3 was one of my favorite consoles so rebug custom firmware was amazing um still is well, yeah still is although ps3 didn't get me uploading on youtube it was actually the 3ds that uh was the origins of my switched to homebrew on the Skeletal channel. So the first upload I did on 3DS must have been talking about downgrading. Um, and then just a few months later, we got Arm 9 Loader Hacks. So I'd say Arm 9 Loader Hacks and just what happened with the 3DS, that was probably very, very much one of my favorite things that's happened in, in recent memory anyway. But that that was huge. And it, yes, it Obviously, was. it moved super quick as well. But um. Ha- Having a downgrade to 2.1, get the OTP file, like, that was oh, just yeah. unheard of, yeah. It's like a two, three-hour process. At the like, when I got into it, and I think before that, it was like, no, this is like a six-hour process. Oh, yeah, and I remember, because I was doing it on my new 3DS eventually, and it was that step where, when you're on 2.1, it's like, don't shut the lid or you're just going to break. <laughs> yep. Good times. That was that. That was slightly terrifying, but there was just there was a, f- a fun aspect to it as well. Like I, I really loved that scene. I think the one thing I will say, <laughs> the nitpick I have, it's with the 3DS and it is with the Switch. Damn it, is that you have so many damn files on your SD card that are just all blown all over the place. <laughs> true that yeah and there's a readme file for each of those files yeah (laughs) so i'm like even if i try and slim it like the the 3ds it's a bit more slim out but i'm like damn how many files am i dealing with how many folders are going to sit here because like i'm sure you remember at at the end of that initial like when arm 9 loader hacks was coming out at the end of it i mean your your sd card is just full of just infinite amounts of things and you don't know what to clean up and what not to (laughs) that's so true it was it was fun though learning about uh emunand and 
all those layers as it went on because man really learned a lot more about the 3ds just through soft modding it mm-hmm. yeah Super i think fun. i think the funny thing is to this day i still have not beat a 3ds game but i've beaten like i've, I've just i've messed with so many 3ds systems it's that that's how fun it was to tinker with oh man that's borderline criminal there are some great <sighs> 3ds games you gotta make the time for them I know, but the problem is, you know, I'd normally play the games on the system itself as opposed to, like, you know, keep them on my original cartridges. And then because I was modding so much, I was like, okay, let's wipe everything. <laughs> let's true, start yeah. fresh. <laughs> yeah, I can understand. But man, Fantasy Life, give that one a go sometime. Incredible game. Fantasy Life. I. No, I'm, okay, I haven't played that one. I'm thinking of. Is it tamagotchi life is something like that that's what my brothers really enjoy they thought that one was hilarious there's a lot of those kind of life games on 3ds but mm-hmm. oh yeah fantasy yeah. life is insane so good i need to what what type of game is that uh so it's got cover art by one of the final fantasy animators but it's jrpg hybrid i guess it's like a job system you can be like a miner or a fisher or a fighter or a magic user all sorts of stuff so you can level up all these different jobs as you play and you kind of just unlock more of the world and you know you'll get to areas where you need to cut down some trees so you have to level up your woodcutting job or whatever it is it was a few years ago that i played it so i'm probably doing it no justice but just really really fun and it has the local wi-fi as well so if you've got a partner and you both have 3ds you can multiplayer in that way which is what i did at the time with my ex-girlfriend but that was just such an incredible game to play through i gotcha that's awesome i i know um i think honestly like just legit software wise maybe one of my favorite things with the 3ds was the street pass speaking of just that local stuff <laughs> i think maybe owning a 3ds in new zealand i might have had two street pass hits but then i did take my 3ds with me to japan when i went there and i was staying in akihabara and uh jealous I, but that's I, awesome I, I, I saw like the corner where what was it at the time it was the monster hunter corner at the time but it was basically like imagine 50 playstation vitas all together people playing monster hunter and stuff like that it was pretty incredible but then yeah i got back to to my there were 50 playstation vitas out exactly right like (laughs) this is the country it was successful and then i got back to the hotel room later and i saw the green light on my 3ds and uh it wasn't until like the next day i was on the train i actually played the 3ds and i did the i was playing one of those street pass games at the time like the quest my favorite was the rpg one yeah 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 that was that was exactly the game and uh yeah i think i had like 200 street pass things to get through something like that but it was actual insanity yeah i think uh with street pass it's been fun one of my for for like a year or two i really kept my 3ds with me and it's like literally the like pretty much the only game i was playing was that street pass rpg and i was doing street pass and all that so uh i was in college at the time i would toss in my backpack or even i was going to work and i was walking around with it and it's funny because there were there were two two stories that i ran into uh one of them was at one of the places i was working at one of our like executive level people uh his name i'm not gonna put out his real name I, i'll just say his real name is john and I was walking around with my uh, with my 3ds, and back at the apartment, nothing. Uh, back at the building I was stationed at, nothing. But then for a week, I was working at another building, our headquarters building, and John started showing up on 3ds, 
and I'm like, oh shit, he has a 3DS and Street Pass. This is awesome. And then I ran into it a few more times. And then one day I noticed I was just, I, my street pass was clear. I was sitting in my room. All of a sudden I get the green light and I look and it's John. And then I connected two and two together. And I'm like, wait a minute. There's a John who lives next to me. Oh, damn it. It's, it's just the neighbor. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. And I told him that I was like, dude, I've been street passing with you all week. And I thought that you were, you know, like the, the executive here. And he started laughing. He's like, no, that's, that's me. You're Mario, right? I'm like, yep, I'm Mario. <laughs> really? So at a college campus, you, you only found like one other street pass. Uh, no, that was, that was at, uh, so to clarify, so that was, that was not at college. My next story is at college, but that was when I was um, out of state for an internship. So this oh, is like okay. all in like the corporate stuffy world. Gotcha. Yeah, oh, it would have been awesome if it was the exact though. <laughs> oh, that would have been cool. My 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 other college story I had with it was uh, I was you know when you're walking around campus you're taking about the same paths and all that whichever yeah. days you have certain classes, and there was one guy I don't remember his name for the life of me but I kept running into him and you know we'd greet each other and stuff, and one day he changes the greeting he's like oh hey it's you again, and so we started greeting each other in different ways, and it was like a few weeks of this off and on. And then we ended up going to a party, and uh, one of my friends is hosting it. And then, of course, because it is a nerd party, we have, like, the Wii in the corner. We have PCs. We have a PS3. I brought my Wii U, so people are freaking out about that because it was kind of new at the time. It sounds and like then, my kind of party. Oh, dude, it was so fun. And <laughs> what happened was we, I mean, we then we ended up making a run to get, like, donuts and a bunch of other real unhealthy stuff. And then we came back and played more games, I think, so... You know, nice. optimal times, but what happened was uh, one or two of us, we end up pulling out our 3DSs, and then this, this guy comes over, and he's like, hey, you, you, you got 3DSs, like, what do you play? And we're talking about the games that we're playing, and somehow we ended up talking Street Pass, and he's just like, wait, you're Mario? I run into you, like, every other day. And I'm like, oh, you're this guy. Hey, we finally meet. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, it just, just took us weeks of walking next to each other. And then after that, whenever we saw each other, it's like, oh, hey, street pass. All right, I got you. <laughs> That's awesome. It was a really cool feature, and it's good to hear that it succeeded, even, you know, in the West. Anyway. Yeah, I, th- I, think, um, I think the Vita had Nier on it, which I just recently found out about, but it wasn't nearly as big as a, a street pass. Yeah, I think I never touched that bubble ever. Yeah, I... I think I opened it once out of curiosity. It was actually somewhat recently. I had read something where there was something with Hin- some users of Hinkaku were getting timeout errors because it was discovered that Nier kept pinging Sony's servers. So I was like, oh, let me make sure there's nothing available in Nier. Oh, and I've never opened it for the first time. I'm not going to initialize this. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, just one of those things. Tell people to disable it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. So I think it was like this year is the first time I opened up the Near app. <laughs> uh, yeah, I never looked at it. Yeah, well, the Vita is still a kick-ass system though. With that, I, I personally, I prefer the Vita compared to the 3DS. Oh yeah, it's it's awesome. I definitely love the Vita. It's something about it. Eh? It's just really nice. Yeah, it's um, you know, I. I think I, I told you about my girlfriend getting one, right? Yeah, you did mention that. Yes, yeah, and I think for for anybody who doesn't know, this was in the uh, like I I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but um, my girlfriend was interested in getting a 
she she's kind of dabbled in getting a system here and there. She's not she's not a gamer outside of mobile games. She has played games with me. She's cool with me being a gamer, but she's never had a urge to you know chase after a game or pick up a system or something. Sure. Uh, this this whole time in like the years of dating her. I thought I was shocked. I thought her first system was going to be a Xbox 360 because I have so many of those. And I, I, I honestly envisioned, I was like, oh, I could just give one to her as a Netflix machine. And I offered <laughs> a few times and she said no. But yeah, she, she had kind of asked about Nintendo handhelds and I showed her my various 3DSs I had. I showed her my games and she wasn't feeling it. And then I showed her the Vita and she literally gravitated to it and got stuck on it for three hours and actually really liked the game selections on there because her people don't don't raise your pitchforks, please. But she was saying she didn't like the 3DS because the game seemed too cute to her and she didn't (laughs) want cutesy games. She wanted like more mature games, which it looked like the Vita had to offer. That's interesting. It's good for her, though. She knows herself. But yeah, if, if I was uh, guessing what a female would like, I'd say, oh, she's probably going to like the 3DS, right? <laughs> yeah, that, that that was it. And then even for me, I was like, oh, well, this is like, this is cool, I guess. Because like, I mean, the Vita, I know a lot about it. I have a lot of games. It gave me a good example. Like, it gave me a good reason to buff up more of my collection, too. Because um, there was a bunch of games she was interested in. I was like, oh, I'm kind of interested in these. So I'll pick them up. You have them. I have them. We're good. And yeah, she's she's been really enjoying it. So um, it's something she's able to understand, pick up and play easy enough. The form factor is fine. Uh, I did even offer her. I offered her a switch multiple times and uh, it's just too big, like the current iteration, because she's not going to play it on a TV. She's not going to dock it and she doesn't want the big system only in handheld. So the switch mini is actually going to appeal to her, but not the original iteration right yeah the switch mini is nice in that it's for me you know it reminds me of the vita but uh yeah i had noticed that with the original switch too it's just that little bit too big to be truly a comfortable portable system i guess you can't put it in your pocket anyway i i guess the the way i put it so i i rock big pockets and the way i've been able to pocket it the few times i have is i you have to split up the joy con and like put two joy con in one pocket and then the giant switch tablet in the other pocket but then i'm terrified of breaking something yeah sure you don't you don't want to do that i, I actually it's funny I, I had this on the list of things that i was going to bring up but uh the the switch light that's what it's called it's not the switch mini but uh what are your thoughts on it uh i like it um but as soon as it was announced i had already decided i'm not going to get one and it the main decided there is not actually just homebrew but also hdmi out um so that that to me is a big part of gaming these days is the hdmi out and and streamability and all that but um the good thing was someone in the new zealand gaming facebook group decided as soon as he saw it that wow this is exactly what i need that i can play it in bed it's going to be more comfortable like the ps vita was and uh so he decided to sell his switch on that day pretty much and since his switch had already been banned for writing homebrew he also (laughs) gave me a good deal he was like i'm selling it pretty cheap because it's you know it's been banned i don't think anyone's going to want to buy this switch and i was like hey buddy i definitely want to buy that switch (laughs) because i wanted a second switch capable of running homebrew um mainly because i've got it and not having to worry about a ban or anything because it's already banned (laughs) well exactly and and i've also got a 256 gig uh internal nand chip which i was holding off installing because my original switch isn't banned yet so if i put it in that one 
and then you know went to play Splatoon 2 legit online, um, I could get flagged for a band if the NAND size wasn't 32 gigabytes. So it was it worked out perfectly for me. But uh, <laughs> maybe if I get a third Switch, maybe a few years from now, used, I might pick up a Switch Lite, you know, because they do right seem on. nice, but that, that yeah, Joy-Con it, is a bit of a worry, I guess. And even it, it, it's real cool because, like, one thing is with uh, with the Switch that I like, it, like the current iteration one, is if you want to, if you, if you're a Switch owner, a current one who has several accessories, you can get another Switch for cheap because, like, thinking about like I, I myself, so um, I end up I have multiple docks in in my home because I want to have multiple docks for multiple reasons. Uh, because of that, I have at least two AC cables on hand. I have multiple controllers, multiple Joy-Con, and the SD card, it's not required. So most Switch owners, if they want to end up picking up a second Switch for whatever reason, like such as homebrew or for a spouse or for a sibling or a kid or what have you, Mm -hmm. uh, you could get away with just going onto eBay or another site and finding a working tablet-only sale and pick one up for like 100 150 bucks, and you have everything else around your house to have a fully loaded second system. True, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's what I like about it. I think one of the... You were saying HDMI out is important to you. For me, it's it. recently it hasn't been. I've actually been preferring to, you know, like play in bed or even just like play on a couch or something. Like I, I'm one of those people where a lot of my playtime with the Switch... I'm actually sitting on my couch with the Switch in front of me playing in handheld mode and I'll just have something displaying on the TV, like a movie or a TV show or something, as opposed to playing on the TV itself. Um, but I know with that, there's been there's been people who they've been trying to say, like for the Switch Lite, kind of like tying it back to this, that it's just a better deal to find yourself a cheap, switch set up for like you know 220 dollars you can probably find a good used one um i i'm in support of the switch light i'm not going to buy one for myself i definitely know my girlfriend is super interested so there's probably going to be one in my house but when it comes down to it i think a lot of people need to realize like one this is kind of nintendo's fault but because the way nintendo handles their tickets their licenses their user accounts and all that this is not meant to be for someone to have two switches like it's not like you can put your account on both of them and easily have you know one switch for home and one switch on the go and have everything sync up super well Um, there's just a lot of issues that kind of run into that and the other thing is this is just designed for someone who like my girlfriend for example where she's the type person who i don't want to split the Joy-Con. I don't care about playing on my TV ever. I want a smaller actual surface to work with in my hand. I don't care if I'm getting less value for this. But at the same time, it is it is cheaper. It's $200, which makes it a, a lot more of a dangerous, instantaneous, or drunken pickup. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That's good that there's uh, use cases for the light. Yeah, I definitely like it, um, as long as they get that left Joy-Con maybe designed in a completely different way for the lights so that they never have to go through that drift thing. Then it you would know, be like a really good system. You know, I was going to say, I'm not doubting that by any means because there's an open class action lawsuit about it. Well, th- there's going to be one that will be filed here soon. Um, there's a lot of controversy around it, but I don't know what it is, man. 
I, I, I have a good amount of hours on my Switch, and maybe, I'm thinking, maybe it's just my, my Joy-Con, because I've swapped them out, because the original, the great Joy-Con are not as good as the current ones I have, like the ones I've been using since I bought them, and I bought them on release, I got the ones with the uh, Super Mario Party, like the green and yellow ones, okay. and they seem to have better connectivity, they seem to be stronger, um, I just seem to have less issues with them than my gray Joy-Con, so maybe it's just I haven't used the gray ones to the point of this exact issue, um, but none of my controllers and none of my Joy-Con have any stick drift yet. Could be silent revisions. Like, I remember very early on, there was that talk of the infrared, or, or the syncing or whatever being off, and then <laughs> you'd send it, and they did, like, some plastic foam thing. I don't know, but maybe they've uh, improved the Joy-Con designs since the very launch gray ones or whatever, but could also just be random as well. Eh? Like, I think, for me, my Joy-Cons have all been fine. I've only got two sets of them, but... I'm not a Smash player, you know, I could see if someone's playing Smash a lot and doing, you know, really furious Smash attacks, maybe mm-hmm. that's that sort of level of wear and tear accelerates it or something, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I can absolutely see that as well, too. I guess I'm just not hardcore enough in it, I don't know. Um, but I, I do see that where I know I had issues with my left Joy-Con, where uh, there was the, it was specifically the connectivity issues. That's what I was okay. having, much like other people. I got those resolved. Um, my green and yellow ones, I don't have connectivity issues with them, thankfully. But even a few weeks ago, I had one of my good friends, Devin, he came over. And uh, shout out Devin. But we were playing some games, and I noticed that my Joy-Con were connecting just fine. But his, it was it was the left one, or sometimes it was the right one. But his were just having a lot more connectivity issues than mine. And even we we ended up switching seats on the couch so that he was closer to the switch, and he was still having those connectivity issues. And another odd thing he ran into, he even told me he said, "Dude, this only happens when I'm at your place. At my place, anywhere else, it's fine. When I come here, I have all the connectivity issues. And somehow you don't have them with your Joy-Con, but I have them with mine." Huh. That's a head scratcher. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's odd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh well, though I'd I'd wonder how. Whenever there's if there's any type of hard mods that do happen that are similar to you know the jig setup and everything with uh with the current switch or with the non patched ones, uh, I wonder with the switch mini if that would if there'd be a way. I think there you would have to end up putting you know a a loader chip inside of it i or people are calling them mod chips they're, they're i i guess technically a mod chip i you'd have to go that route i feel like if there's any type of hard mods that come out for it yeah i don't think we're gonna catch nvidia slipping again it's probably gonna be some kind of hard mod like that hey yeah i don't i don't i don't think so either nvidia did do a big boo-boo which i don't think nintendo is too happy about oh yeah and they were in like cars as well right so it must have been Quite yeah, a big the, beyond this yeah, it's uh, they're in the Tesla, they're in several other cars, any anything with that um, the Tegra X1 was exploitable. So they must have done a massive security overhaul. Yeah, yeah, that's not the best. I mean, where some people might say it's like, hey, well, you know, it's just to load up homebrew and stuff. It's like, yes, in in this use case scenario or like another Android device, it's fine. But we're talking about you know, bigger things. But I think even to lessen the blow a little bit, I know in the Tesla, for example, 
it didn't it wouldn't interfere if you do impede it somehow it wouldn't interfere directly with the car it was just the infotainment system that was ah, running okay. on that tegra x1 so it wasn't it wasn't even anything that was necessary for the life of the car well that softens the blow a little bit <laughs> yeah but still they're not they're not too happy i want to know what kind of blowback they end up getting for that yeah well it's pretty hard to be prepared for everything i guess but uh, yeah it's, yeah well it's, it's great for us anyway who cares it's it's a lovely hardware exploit gives us full control of boot so good time exactly <laughs> exactly yeah except the i, I guess eh, my my own issue except on the switch itself is i haven't done any hard mods yet even though i do have a mod chip sitting around but i haven't done any actual hard mods internal on it yet so i still have to sometimes i don't want to you know sit there and jig it and everything but i just i just do it I, um, I've heard from a few people that, you know, there've been people that have been playing with the trinket stuff and all of that, but a lot of them actually got frustrated with those setups. So I, I still use my RCM jig externally, but I hear that a good one to do beyond the NAND one is, uh, just replacing the thermal stuff in it because it runs pretty hot and apparently the stock, uh, thermal paste or whatever is pretty garbage that's in there. So just opening get- it up. Dude, I don't get how every single company messes up with a thermal paste. I really don't get that because thermal paste, good thermal paste is not that much money. Yeah, it's what happens when the, the CFO is making the decisions, hey? You save every penny you can. <laughs> I guess, but your thermal paste, come on, that's like the last... Don't, don't cheap out on that. Don't cheap out on that. Mm, don't agreed. cheap out on that. MX4 is not that much, all right? <laughs> Yeah, which by the way, I've I've switched over to. I don't know if I told you about this. I switched over to MX4 recently after years of being an Arctic Silver Five person, and I I wasn't even a fanboy of it. I just used it because it was familiar and comfortable. But uh, I switched over to MX4. I end up repasting two free PCs that got picked out of the garbage, and they went from screaming when you would do any little thing to just running nice and cool. Wow, sounds like something I need to do. I'm still a arctic silver person just from the pc building years so mm-hmm. need to make no, that switch I, myself <laughs> for me it was honestly because the xbox 360 that that was the common thing that people were using on the cpu and gpu when you know you're doing a red ring fix and all that stuff and just kind of stuck with me <laughs> good yeah. times yeah i stuck with it because it was it was cheap and it was available and then i was like oh well mx4 is also cheap wait okay i guess i'll just try this <laughs> nice yeah yeah, no. I was I was gonna say with the with the jig thing and everything too. I know it seems like that would be that's like your old faithful, old reliable type thing. And this this is my own fault, but I think my one of my points of frustration came when there was one night um, I had my because uh, I'm using the RCM loader. I had that with me. I was visiting family, and uh, I was about to you know load up my modded switch and. I had the jig out and my dog came over at that point and licked it. And I was like, I have to, no, I have to put this. Okay. You know, I can't use it tonight. Cause I have to put this inside the system. <laughs> uh, dog doesn't know any better. Yeah. She, you know, that's, that's how they get to know things. They sniff them, they bite them, what have you. That's how they're comfortable learning, I guess. Yeah. My big problem is, I think I can't remember if I've showed you pictures or whatnot, but I've got the G Scout set up and I've got all these expensive RGB cables for a lot of my retro systems and then my you, cats. You did show me, yeah. Yeah, well I've got two cats and I love them dearly and I've always been a cat person myself. Um but in this modern world of, you know, 
cables everywhere. I'm sure everyone has noticed this problem with their earbuds or whatever, the, the old wired ones. Animals love to chew on cables. And uh, <laughs> my cats, when I catch them, you know, up around the frame meister or something, chewing on a $50 cable, oh, it's not good. But you just have to, you know, be kind and tell them, hey, you can't, can't be up there. <laughs> I was I was gonna say I know with dogs you can at least say no and punish them in a way. Cats are dicks and they're very selfish. You can't you can't punish a cat because they won't care. Yeah, they don't respond to discipline in that way. I wouldn't expect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was thankfully my dog Lily. Shout out to Lily, but she's she's been really good about not chewing cables. But one of the things I ran into because you you know the the switch AC adapter itself it's it's an expensive cable it's like 30 40 bucks standalone sure, yeah. if you find it and uh, it was right you know shortly after the switch came out I want to say this was in July 2017 something like that so a few months afterwards um, I didn't have you know a whole bunch of controllers or multiple docks or anything like that set up and it was one or two days before I was supposed to leave the country and I'm, I'm sitting on my couch in the dark Lily's in the corner and I hear some chewing and she's going crazy on her paw and I, I just had a weird feeling I look over she had the switch cable like the, the AC cable in her mouth that is to date <laughs> that is to date the only cable that she has eaten but I immediately I rip it away I say no I'm just like are you serious? Out of out of all my cables, this is the one you had to chew. So the next day, I had to go to a local store, had to pony up all the money for that because I, I think I ended up paying the ninety dollars for just a second dock with the AC adapter. Well, your girlfriend chose the Veda, and Lily chooses the Switch. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't. Who gets the 3DS in this household? Me? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's how it goes. Now, actually, on your, I know on your retro setup because you have the uh, you have the Frame Meister, and uh, do you have the OSSC? No, um, maybe I'll get one someday if I get a 4K TV. But uh, mm-hmm. I looked at the pros and cons to each because I think it was uh, Firebrand X did a really good list of the advantages and disadvantages of the XRGB and the OSSC. And just for my use case, Frame Master came out slightly ahead. Um, but yeah, the OSSC is probably something I will get someday because that, you know, line <laughs> doubling mode all the way up to five times would be very useful on a 4K set. Yeah, and I I do like that that you can go you can be go beyond 1080p compared to the Frame Meister, but also on top of that, um, because the way it does it, um, you can get more technical with the resolutions and dare I say I guess more accurate in some circumstances. I know for me, I personally, I have the Frame Meister, and I remember at the time when I looked into buying it, and I did purchase it in 2016, I looked at the use cases, and I said, yeah, for my use case, Frame Meister on top. Easier to get set up and running, it seems to have better support, more official, uh, but I know the OSSC has gotten a lot more upgrades over the years, and the other day, I, I almost pulled the trigger on one, but I kind of said, you know what, I'm not using my retro stuff it's not like it's like you know never ever getting used but i realize i'm not using it as regularly yeah as i would like to justify and the few times i do use it the frame meister has been fantastic which thankfully i used it like this past weekend so i was like you know what 
if I'm happy with it and there's not a direct use case for it, I don't think I need to be dropping a couple hundred bucks on an OSSC right now. That's a good skill to have, not pulling the trigger on things that are just going to be, you know, surplus to to requirements right now anyway. Cause I well, you compliment that, that, but that was... <laughs> That well, that that was that was one of my strong points. Many, many, many times, it's more of a weakness. I'm like, oh, I'll I'll get four of these. Sure, why not? I already have ten. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that and that's how I keep adding Xbox 360s to the collection. How many do you have? <sighs> I, oh my god, it's hold on, hold on. I'm I'm really thinking here. I want to say in in a certain area there's there's at least 10 in one area like in like my storage area there it's under 20 i can confidently say that it's under 20 <laughs> and in your head are they fixer uppers and you're going to sell them or why do you have so uh, many? no no they so it ends up being i have multiple reasons like i have reasons for having each different one like some of them will have different exploits different dashboards what have you oh, but like wow. the, the 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 last few recent ones i've ended up picking up it's kind of oh this is a special edition or oh this is ten dollars and it's complete <laughs> So you yeah, just can't so, it it's pretty much saving it. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So, no, it's... I, I, I have a decent amount for various different reasons. I might have a problem, but I also have fun with them, so it works out. But it's kind of... <laughs> I, I bring some in, and they do eventually leave the door. Because I will have a friend who's like, Hey, do you have a 360? I feel like messing with certain stuff on here. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, here you go. <laughs> Someone wants to play some COD. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's funny exactly. that they've got different exploits and stuff on them. I've got one Xbox 360 Slim and uh, hasn't got RGH on it yet. So one of these days I'm going to sit down, maybe with one of your videos, maybe I'm going to pick your brain on it, but needs to be done. Right on. Uh, is it, is it, does it have any type of modifications on it or not? No, it's stock. I bought it back in the day so that I could play Street Fighter 4, not just on the PSN, but also on Xbox Live. Gotcha. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, no, so that even that with, it, it's funny to the point now, because like during the the big heyday of the 360, flashing was more recommended just because you could, you could still get online easily and uh, then you could, you know, play all your games off discs and such. Um, but now it's getting to the point where it's just, they're more readily available and things are just a lot cheaper and the knowledge is there, where it's actually more expensive to flash your system as mm. opposed to just doing a hard mod on it. So now it's... I never ever thought I'd really see the day where people are just saying completely skip flashing, just RGH your system or do a RJ tag or what what have whatever kind of exploit you can do on your system. Three sixty Nopia was flashing just when you could play burned DVDs. Exactly. And and even with that, that was literally all it was good for. It did not do any type of kernel level modifications. So unfortunately it did not unlock it would have been cool if it did region unlocking and i I still thought the flashing scene was awesome and there was a lot of cat and mouse stuff and really tricky stuff that happened back then just ingenious on both sides microsoft and c forever's custom firmware but uh when it came down to it yeah it, it was only good for playing um burned original xbox and xbox 360 games you couldn't unlock the dvd like dvd video region hd dvd that required a whole different drive there was nothing on that and uh you couldn't region unlock your system unfortunately gotcha shout out to my old internet buddy nooblet who works at microsoft or used to work at microsoft but um i remember he told me (laughs) you had to like connect your drive up 
to the SATA port on a computer or something. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. This SATA zero port. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Nah, it's uh that that was definitely a fun scene to get into. I think one of my like one of my favorite back and forths on there because you know there was always the there was always custom firmwares that were getting discovered and banned and such. But at one point, um, it it was always just kind of a thing of don't update your system dashboard. Um, just wait on that. Wait for the news. Wait for every. Wait for the scene members to give the green light on that. Um, but at one point, Microsoft ended up addition adding in additional anti-piracy checks for certain titles not all of them but just certain titles Mm. and they would update the challenge tables every dashboard so that meant every single time you update your dashboard you had to reburn that game that had the challenges and patch it with the new challenges and at one point microsoft ended up issuing a completely silent update where it was if you just after this date if you just connect your xbox onto xbox live at any point your challenge table ends up getting updated on your system, but not just that, it became a dynamic challenge table that was different for every single console in some way. Wow, they were pretty smart about it then. Yeah, yeah, and it was one of those, I remember when it was coming out, like, I I had a lot of people who were messaging me, they're just like, the story was pretty much, hey, I was playing on Xbox Live today, and I noticed that now... Uh, a few hours later, I turn off my Xbox, turn it back on, and none of my games are loading. Why is that? And I'm like, oh, yep, you got hit with the silent update. Brutal. Yeah, and I, I believe it was it was nicknamed the, the Magic Bullet, or I think it was the Silver Bullet. Essentially, it was defeated with, because um, I said, you know, every disc had to be patched with a proper response for that specific firmware. Well, what happened was the firmware developer C Forever ended up coming out with this method where he said he actually allegedly he said he kept it in his back pocket in case this ever happened. And because it happened, he had to release it. But he ended up releasing essentially topology data where it ended up kind of just doing a patch for the disk itself. And it would have a response code on the disk which was impervious for any type of challenge. So as long as you were on the latest custom firmware and you had these patches on your disk, you could run it on any console with that latest custom firmware, and no matter what the challenges were, the disk would respond properly to it. It's hilarious that he had that level of foresight to have that in his back pocket just in case. I know, like some (laughs) 4D chess-type stuff. Indeed. (sighs) Developers, they are smart cookies. I know. I know. God, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah. One uh, one thing I was going to ask you about on here was, because um, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed this, but it was fitting because I actually, I had this written down in a list of topics I kind of wanted to get to. And then I had seen in your latest video talking about uh, Switch themes and such, but Stranger Things 3, have you seen it? No, actually, I haven't even oh, seen Stranger no. Things 2. I've only seen the first season. I mean, that was that was a fantastic season. The, se- the whole series is great, but I need damn, to get okay, back I, on that, yeah. I was going to ask you about Stranger Things 3, and then if you said yes, I want to, ha- I want to talk about that. But... <laughs> Let you damn. down. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. I'm sure you're busy and such. I, I know, I, I guess the the one thing I can say... It's not a direct plot spoiler, so I don't mind saying this. Mm. I, I personally, I loved it. I thought it was the most enjoyable out of all the seasons. But I was disappointed that it is it is eight episodes long, and it took them seven episodes to have any type of argument or discussion about New Coke. 
Oh, true. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's definitely the first season anyway was a really enjoyable show, so I should make the time for that one, but I get a bit backed up. Like even Black Mirror, which is a show that I really love, was it like three more episodes came out for that recently and I haven't even watched those yet, so I don't know about that one. I I don't even think uh, unfortunately, so I'm I'm going to flip side on this one. Um I have not finished season 1 of Black Mirror. Well, I can't blame you because the first episode is a little bit bizarre with that. Oh my pig yeah, thing. no to Oh my this, this is not the first time I brought it up on on this podcast. Uh I know shout out to James, but when James Rayner was on here, uh I brought that up and he's like, "No, no, no, don't spoil it for me." I was like, "Okay, okay, just skip the first episode, come back to it later." It's a, it, it wasn't even it wasn't even that I didn't like it, but to me, I, I don't know. You you've gotten further in it, so maybe you can verify this or not. And I mean this in the best of ways, but to me, Black Mirror feels like a realistic adult goosebumps. <laughs> it does have that kind of, I don't know what the word is, anthology feel to it. But um, yeah, I wouldn't have picked that as my pilot episode. But the second episode with the treadmills and everything, ah, I enjoy that. Kind of sci-fi. Yo, that, it's good. that was a trip. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. I no, like the, I... the dark, cynical views on a lot of things. It's good. Yeah, but no, I I, I kind of picked the whole not even with the anthology thing, but I kind of picked the the goosebumps comparison because when I was watching them, it, I was like, oh wow, this is this is how this scenario would play out if this actually happened, and I think this is quite a realistic take on this scenario happening, but it's horrible and terrifying. Okay, like this is like this is real stuff that people would really be worried about. It is terrifying, but it's also so funny how close we are to a lot of these questions right now, you know, with uh... I haven't I haven't seen this episode, but from what I understand, there was a Black Mirror episode about social media credits and such and how they affect you in the real world. And then a few years later, China ended up announcing their system exactly. that was very eerily similar. Yeah. And I mean, it's just one of those things looking through the looking glass. Very, very, you know big warnings for society there we don't want to go these <laughs> awful ways so that's why i like the show exists because it at least gets everyone well you know the, the general audience um thinking about tech where they normally wouldn't they would it would just be in the background you know mm-hmm. i think another good one for that would be mr robot where that would i i feel like that really opens people's eyes to things because even when they're developing the episodes like well first of all, have you seen mr robot so the first two seasons i didn't finish it yet or whatever okay yeah, uh, amazing I'm, show i think i'm in i think i'm in the same boat as you and i can absolutely agree it is an amazing show but with that i know um there has been there were some blogs that i was reading where every pretty much every episode they would go in and comb through the episode and any of the hacking events that happened they would compare it to real stuff like this is how it actually is this is how realistic it was and most of the time they're just like yeah, they had to edit a few things and change a few things around to make it, you know, a bit more sensationalized for TV. But aside from that, this is actually pretty real. There's like 90% there. So good job, Mr. Robot. Yeah, the most realistic hacking scenes I've ever seen. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is... You remember the scene where there was a watch that was about to get passed on to one of the creator, like one of the, one of the characters, and then it was declined? Kind of. It's been a while since I, I watched it, but... Yeah, kind of. I believe it wasn't. I believe it wasn't season one. There was actually it was it was um, a fan theory that I had seen where they said it was essentially 
this person, like the the underling, had a certain type of designer watch, and the person above him had a much classier watch, and he offered the watch to him and then ended up pulling it back, and that was kind of saying, I'm always going to be in a higher class than you, and the only people who would know about this or are would be people who are really in the watch scene. <laughs> and it was funny because it was, it was almost debunked in a way because people came out and said they're like, you know what? This probably is not a fan theory. With the level of detail and care that goes into the writing and attention of Mr. Robot, everything you said was probably there for a reason. And that's probably exactly why they wrote it the way they did. Sure. Yeah, there are directors that uh, go that deep with things and have that attention to detail. Shout out to Stanley Kubrick. (laughs) Yes. Good God. Fascinating stuff he does. Indeed. (laughs) yeah yeah man but yeah no i guess uh you know for me uh i do have one other thing i was wanting to discuss i i want to end this on a high note here but uh i know uh, of course aside from you know doing modding and such and messing around with a few things you 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 game right you 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 play these things called games here and there i do i'm forcing myself to make more time for them but yeah definitely game Dude, I'm 300% there with you. Good God. Um, but in regards to that, what games are you playing right now? This is something that I either discuss, you know, if I'm by myself or if I have a guest on. I like to see, you know, what they're playing right now. Well, I guess uh, today I was playing Fire Emblem because it is launch day here in New Zealand at least. Um, extremely fun game from my first two hours of playing it. It's got some new, it's adding some new elements to the Fire Emblem classic system. Like we've got a kind of high school setting where you can roam around and uh it's got the calendar system very similar to persona um so it seems like a great one to sink i don't know 100 hours into definitely enjoying that and looking forward to trying to get as close to 100 percent in that game as i can uh but other than that recently street fighter 4 has been what i've been spending my time on because there is an upcoming 10-year reunion tournament in my country so haven't been playing it in the last five years at all because it's you know it's a dead game or whatever with street fighter 5 out but uh lots of fighting game friends that i made way back in the day uh it'll be a nice reunion up in auckland and yeah it should be great times but gotta practice man because i don't want to turn up with half-baked skills <laughs> now i now i gotta ask you like what platform are you playing it on and which version of street fighter 4 because there's like five different releases of street fighter 4 if i remember correctly <laughs> yeah that's right uh, so on PC because it's just the best place to play it these days and Ultra Street Fighter 4 so the final version of the game has got all the characters and all that built in but yeah there were there were a lot of disc releases there were a lot of different versions and then they also had patches among those releases so was... yeah because the, the ones off the top of my head I think there was what Street Fighter 4 Super Street Fighter 4 um Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition, I think. Ultra, as you mentioned. I swear there was one more in there. I feel like you listed them all there. Um, yeah, no, I think you got them. Hooray. I, I remember I, I, I paid attention to it, and I, I was working at a game shop at the time, and I was looking at all the SKUs and all the release. I'm like, this is stupid. I hate this. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely. the. It was It was right at the time that people were getting angry at DLC on the disc, and I remember... Uh, must have been around arcade editions launch or something like that maybe it was even super but they put out characters as dlc before any disc release or anything like that and uh it was found out that there was 
characters on a disc uh, that weren't unlocked by default, like they were still DLC, something like that. Oh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 was guilty of that as well. <laughs> um, I remember I I had patched that. It wasn't my patch, of course. It was it was a patch I found online and applied. Um, but that was in Street Fighter Cross Tekken, True. where I want to say it was. I want to say it was Pac-Man and Mega Man were the DLC characters, <laughs> and you were able to unlock them. Um, just like I I did it on the Xbox 360. I think you could do the same thing on PS3. But it was just a patch that you put on the disc, or it was some files you copy over if you have a JTAG or RGH system. And without having the DLC or anything, you have the characters that are playable right there. Oh, that's awesome. You're able to do it on a console version like that. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the if I remember correctly, I think the PC version technically you couldn't because they were actual downloads. So like if you bought a DLC character, you had to download that character itself as opposed to just a unlock uh, key. That's kind of hilarious because uh, it shows how bad Street Fighter V of a launch was anyway because they actually got a lot worse with their security, which is interesting to hear. But uh, with Street Fighter V... Really? Yeah, like they had a fight money system, right? So people would like... It's an incentive to play the game, do these challenges, you get fight money, and then you can spend that fight money vast sums of it to get some dlc for you know a reduced price or free or something like that but it was all totally uh client-side hackable so you could get these trainers that made you win unlimited fight money and unlock all the characters even though they were paid dlc <laughs> but uh oh, apparently the net team for street fighter 5 4 was like one person so it kind of explains all that, I guess. <laughs> it's funny how that that ends up happening sometimes i i feel like I don't know. Was, did, okay. When did Street Fighter V release? Uh, I feel like maybe around 2015. 15. Okay. I would say Capcom's been getting better since then. We've got Resident Evil 7. We got Resident Evil 2. We got, uh, you know, you know, a few other games in the mix there. They've been getting better. Yeah. Well, better in everything except fighting games. That's my opinion because I'm a salty, Sadly. don't like Street Fighter Five person. <laughs> no, I, t- I totally understand. I guess I'm I'm one of the people or I'm just looking at it as like, you know, how they're releasing their new games and such. And uh, like I, I loved with Resident Evil 2, for example, which was a fantastic game. Like, did, did you play the Resident Evil 2 remake? Haven't yet. Have to do it. It does look absolutely oh, incredible. My goodness. Resident Evil 7 was incredible. Resident Evil 2 remake was excellent. And... Um, I just I, I loved both of those games when I played through them, but I know with Resident Evil Two, um, like do do you know the the homebrew Resident Evil Two remake project that was going on? I know Resident Evil One Point Five, but not Two. So you you know for years people were begging Capcom for Resident Evil Two remake, and they were sure. wanting it ported or remade somehow, and there was actually a team of people that was working on Resident Evil Two homebrew remake. And they ended up releasing some footage, and it looked incredible. And then they went dark. And they came out later and said, guys, we regret to inform everyone. We're sorry if you've been looking forward to this project. We are going to be canceling it. And everyone freaked out because they were like, oh, my God, this is all Capcom's fault. It's Capcom. It's Capcom. Mm. And then they actually came out and said, they're like, no, it okay, it kind of is. But listen, like, Capcom actually approached us, and they said, hey, look, um, from from what I'm summarizing it here, it might be kind of poorly, but from what I understand, Capcom approached them and they said, hey, look, 
we love what you're doing. We don't want to issue anything legal towards you all. Uh, but look, we are actually in the works of remaking Resident Evil 2. What you all would be doing would technically be a conflict of interest, but we don't really want to end this on a sour note. We would really appreciate it if you all stopped development on your project. In return, we actually would like to fly you all out to our headquarters, all expenses paid. We'll give you some tours and all that, and I think they even gave them the opportunity to work on the game if they really so wanted to. Wow, that's pretty incredible, actually. <laughs> yeah, but the, but Capcom took the major high road on it. They're just like, hey... Look, we'll, we'll wine you, we'll dine you, we'll do whatever you all want. Can you please just cease production on your game? Because trust us, we, we're working on our own iteration. Well, that's good that they were trying to be for the fans. Certainly better than a lot of those uh, other fan projects that get shut down. And it's just a slap in that yeah. too. Yeah, I know uh, Sonic has, like, the Sonic the Hedgehog, there's been, like, he's... The, the Sonic account like on twitter and on youtube has jokingly talked about dmcas and such towards fan projects and it said it's just like hey we're gonna send you a dmc no 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 it's all good have fun with it we think this is cool <laughs> that is cool yeah and there's been what else there's a we actually just covered this on mod chat but right now uh there's jet set radio future multiplayer it is a completely rebuilt from the ground up homebrew game for pc and it is incredible and i i don't know if it's on sega's radar but it, if, if it is i have no doubt sega will probably just be cool with it and look the other way like they have been doing with things such as you know games being pressed on the dreamcast years and years after the system's been dead sure yeah i never gave those jet set radio games a try is it fun uh jet set radio so I've only played about ten minutes of it. Uh, my my podcast partner, one of my one of my best friends, Devin, he just flips the fuck out if you bring up <laughs> Jet Set Radio. He said he's beaten this game fifteen twenty times. He loves everything about it, uh, so he absolutely loves it. He's not as crazy about Jet Set Radio Future. I love Jet Set Radio Future. There, there's nothing else like it in terms of the style, the gameplay. Uh, the physics on there, the music, it's just, it's its such a unique and incredible experience. It definitely is a visually pleasing game from what I've seen of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would i would highly recommend if you're, if you're ever into it, I guess, might as be best to play both and see for yourself. Devin vastly prefers Jet Set Radio, well, Jet Grind Radio. I vastly prefer Jet Set Radio Future, and we have, we have different opinions on that. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta give them a shot. For sure, yeah. I I know on a on well aside from yeah uh, Street Fighter and that uh, has there been anything else you've been playing? Um, mainly just tinkering with the retro systems lately. Um, kind of. Ooh, what have you been doing? Well, I've recently installed. I've had my Phoebe in my Saturn for a long time, but I just recently installed a GDMU into my Dreamcast, and so the right on. When you get also, that I might done, need you to move. Oh, there you go. Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. I was, I was looking behind me at the game shelf thinking, what have I been playing? <laughs> um, I know how that goes. Yeah, so when you get one of those things set up, it becomes a task of getting the SD card set up as well with a whole bunch of disk images in a particular way. And so you spend a little bit of time with the games as well, just no. making sure that everything's working well. Forgive me, I paid about half attention. You said it was the Phoebe, and is the Phoebe the Saturn one, you said? Yeah, Phoebe is for certain types of Saturns. So definitely the later Saturns take a Phoebe, whereas the early Saturns and some of the Model 2 take a rare. Rare? Rare. Okay, okay, there we go. Yeah. Gotcha. I I think... Damn. 
<laughs> my dog just knocked on my door, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't expect that to happen, but uh, no, I think, what was it? Um, I, I have a couple Saturns. I think they're really awesome systems. Um, I think the thing for me that makes it a little difficult to play is that I have no nostalgia towards them. I got my first Saturn in 2014. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, so, it, but I, but I have a lot of respect for it and I think it's a real dope system. I need to get into it more. I just, I don't play mine enough to justify getting a, uh, uh, a disc drive emulator on it. Definitely an underdog to the PlayStation one, uh, during that era, but, um, mm-hmm. 2d powerhouse and yeah, I have a little bit of nostalgia for it because back in those days, like, uh, what was it? It was a birthday party and we, we rented out a Sega Saturn cause that's what you used to do. Like during a birthday party or whatever you'd go to the video shop and you would rent a system and this was a system that basically no one i knew owned a saturn but hey it was there we'll, we'll give it a rental and uh we'll be playing virtual fighter and uh, a couple other games but yeah it was super fun um and it's a great one to revisit because it didn't emulate well so most people aren't familiar with the saturn library and there there are a lot of gems on the saturn that's for sure I know there is uh, Dr. Brasive is working on that uh, that ODE that goes, I, I don't even know if that's the proper term for it, but the one that goes uh, in the back of the Saturn where the video card normally goes. And uh, from what I understand, his work has been vastly improving the emulation side of the Saturn as well, because uh, it's it's always been rough to emulate but from what i understand it ended up gathering a lot more steam and improved quite a bit and was improving faster once dr abrasive was working on his reversing of the saturn and was sharing that information with the developers of these emulators true yeah that has been good to see and the um what is it yaba usai the, the retro art core has come quite a long way as well so it's doable these days which is good just you know not a hundred percent getting through panzer dragoon saga or something like that might not be the most fun but yeah just gotta pick up an original system i guess yeah although it is it's a big debate whether people should try and get one of these difficult to get uh odes or wait for professor abrasive to finish his thing because that definitely looks like a good alternative as well i'm personally going to be waiting for professor abrasive to to finish his yeah got no rush you might as well wait see what the price point is and see what the benefits may be to that system exactly i know with um oh with that because uh, i don't remember do you have the uh do you have any odes for the dreamcast or not yep yep so i've got the gdmu installed in that dreamcast now there there we go yeah i have uh now was it one of the original ones i don't remember or was it one of the clone boards uh the dreamcast one is a clone just due to the, okay. the timing that i wanted it uh, the order window wasn't open so i just went for it it dude it's it's never open <laughs> it's, <laughs> i don't i don't blame you i i have a clone as well too it's sitting around here i need to actually install it because i plan to do video and such on it but uh, eventually 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 it'll happen either way though um i i do need to do that uh had you now have you heard of the usb gd rom and what was going on with that I've heard bits and pieces about it. Um, I, I definitely remember reading a bit when their relationship with Stone Age Gamer soured. Um, just that Russian developer being hard to get a hold of or something like that. 
so from from what I recall, because I actually had to read up on that again, there's different developers between GDMU and uh, USB GDROM, and the the situation you're thinking of with the Russian developer, from what I know, is actually the GDMU. But the USB GDROM, that's a different developer, and it's it's the same idea except using a USB drive as opposed to a SD card of some kind. And from what I gathered on that, um, recently at one point, he ended up putting a time bomb in the firmware. And if you did not, essentially, you'd get your firmware and it would expire at one point. And when it expired, you had to contact him and he would craft up a new firmware and send it over and then you can continue playing. Just like flashcards all over again, huh? Yeah, except you're dealing with a, what, $200, $250 device that you probably had to wake up at 3 in the morning to purchase. Sure, yeah. It wouldn't be fun. Yeah, yeah so he did get backlash behind it. Uh, apparently he did release... It. The, the latest firmware update does not have a time bomb in there, um, but it just leaves a lot to be desired on that, and he was stating it was done for clones and such, but it's just... I. I don't like tactics like that. Not a fan of it. Like my 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 thing was I've gotten into a few debates about it before, but like with the DS flashcards, uh, although I don't agree with that, there's alternatives out there, and plus the ones that might have time bombs are like six or eight dollar flashcards, which you can just there's there, there's bypasses and there's different menus you can use to just get rid of the uh, the time bomb. Thankfully, hmm. I will um correct you on that just briefly then so that you don't dislike the wrong guy the the gdmu for sure is the one without the time bomb it's the usb one which got caught up in the controversy with the time bomb that is correct yeah it's the because it was the the gdmu was the one the where SD one. stone they yeah they're the the gdmu is the one where the relationship with stone age gamer went south but the USB GD-ROM, that was the, the different... That's the, the device we're talking about, different developer that has the time bomb in it. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, they're, 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 they're similar little devices, but oh well. <laughs> they both do similar things, but I lean slightly towards the SD one just for... Um, what was it? Oh, yeah, I just don't like the way the USB sits in the satin. And then, like, if you move the console at all or if that port breaks, what are you going to do? fix it yourself or send it back to russia (laughs) right right i I know what was the issue that i had had it wasn't i think my my only thing against the the odes is i i personally still like to retain functionality so i'm just disappointed i can't have the laser assembly in the system and the sd option it'd be nice if i had I, i i know there's like a there's pretty much a sd card to serial adapter you can use and you could use a alternative OS on the Dreamcast to boot into your games, but the OS isn't the most stable piece of software, and it doesn't work super well with loading up your games. It's kind of slow, so it is superior playing them off of that um, off of that SD card from the GD uh, like from the GDMU. Sure, but I guess I in a perfect world i'd like to have both disc compatibility and the sd card there eh. but since i can't and i have the hardware on hand and i also have multiple dreamcasts i'll just pick a dreamcast i don't care about and install it in there sure it would be nice if you could get both but what i do is i just keep the laser assembly sitting in a cupboard if i ever need it because um, mm-hmm. it's actually really simple to just pick that up and drop that back in 
Yes, it is. But yeah. Thankfully, yes, it is. No way to physically fit them both <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, I wish there was, but oh well. That's just that, that's just me being nitpicky about it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, I guess on that though, I can I can reciprocate with what I've been playing recently. So, I'm I'm thinking on the Switch. I I just end up picking up a uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance three. And uh, have you played that yet? No, I've been hearing a lot about it. Is it good though? I I played it. It is it is very good. Yeah, uh, I had a friend over the first time. I was giving it a shot and very much enjoyed it. So that was. Um, I need to pick it up and actually play through it and such. But you know, we played about an hour of it and it was great. It's just. The voice acting wasn't really the best in there, and the art style is a little bit weird. And I was telling my friend, I was like, look, I, I feel like it's kind of a thing of, hey, we know this is a little rough around the edges, but you all have been wanting this for a while, and we didn't have that much money to work with. So it's either this or nothing. <laughs> Better than nothing. Yeah, because N- Nintendo kind of, from what I gathered, I think they, surprisingly, like, because people love the first Ultimate Alliance, and then they love the second one, and there was nothing, even though people begged for a third one for years, um, and I think it's it's a first, it's first party, it, it is published by Nintendo, hmm. like, if you look at the game data, it says Nintendo and everything on there, which is surprising to me, and then, of course, it's a Switch exclusive, so I think Nintendo might have pulled a Bayonetta on it, where they said, it's like, some people might hate on Nintendo for scooping it up and saying it's exclusive, but I'm sure the developers might say, hey, if it wasn't for Nintendo, this would not have happened because no one else is interested. True. Well, that's a good exclusive scoop for Nintendo there. That's a popular franchise for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I hope it does move some good units because I know the other game that was like that that I just mentioned was, you know, Bayonetta 2 and now upcoming Bayonetta 3, but... Um, do you remember like some people being mad about like mad at the developers for going exclusive on that? Oh sure, yeah, those were hugely popular games. The the original one yeah. on everything, and then uh, yeah, yeah, just just for Nintendo that second one, huh? Yeah, I, and and I remember people were were getting angry at uh, Platinum Games about it, and Platinum came out and said, "Hey, stop it! If it wasn't for Nintendo, this wouldn't happen. We took it to Microsoft. We took it to Sony. They didn't want this." Hard facts. Oh well. Good guy, yeah. Nintendo. Exactly. When it comes to that, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I still love yeah. Nintendo. Love-hate relationship. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I am I just end up picking up a few Switch games here, and I'm actually looking at my Switch right now, just, like, not playing it, but just looking at the games I've been playing recently. You got a stack of Switch games? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, big big stack, at least, downstairs. Right now, I'm just looking at my digital titles here. <laughs> eShop is so good, eh? There is so many amazing indie games on the Switch. It's actually really difficult to keep up month on month, the amount of new stuff that comes out on Switch. It's unreal. I am I am so happy that uh, Sega Ages Virtual Racing came over to the U.S. store because I am too lazy to open up a European or a Japanese account, and it came out for 8 bucks. I bought it as soon as I could. It is great. Those All those Sega Ages games are just such amazing pieces of work, eh? Incredible. Yeah, uh, M- I know M2 has done a phenomenal job on them, from what I've observed, and uh, the the details that I, I know, like Digital Foundry has really put into their reports looking into them. Yeah, they are beautifully done, and M2, that My Life in Gaming doc or whatever, just awesome. Like, I don't, <laughs> they're incredible. You know, unfortunately, I don't, I don't think I saw the My Life in Gaming doc. I saw the uh, the Digital Foundry doc though on uh, on on virtual racing because I I, I have a, I have a weird affinity for virtual racing for some reason, and I don't know why. <laughs> It's a fun game, right? 
it it is and it 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 looks like a nightmare world and i think that's what what i love about it so much (laughs) good good gameplay in that one if i remember right yes yeah no that's it's been good so i I tried that a bit but out of like the stuff i've been playing on switch at least i've been playing a bit of trials rising um it's not the best port on switch but it is fun Hmm. Uh, Mario Tennis Aces, I actually just picked that up because I was at a friend's house a few weeks ago and he introduced me to it. Like, so I actually played it and I thought it was great. And I realize now I like non-realistic sports games. Fair enough. Yeah, I I had a blast with Mario Tennis Aces just as a local multiplayer game. That used to be my thing with streaming was that I'd I'd have guests around and uh, we'd play local multiplayer games together. So Mario Tennis and, you know, things like Bomberman, always a good time. Right on. Uh, are, are you talking about um, the Bomberman on Switch? Uh, nah, on the SNES Classic, like you'd load on Super Bomberman 4 or something like that. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I need to play those ones, like actually give them a fair shot, because I was playing Super Bomberman R on Switch, because it was like the, the only other game I felt like picking up on launch outside of Zelda, and it was it was overwhelmingly okay. I played that on Switch, because I was thinking, hey, this has got to be great, right? But then the AI, I don't know if I patched my game or not, but the AI was insane. They were way too overtuned. Yep. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I know I know it did get patched, but like my girlfriend and I were playing through it, and we were just like, oh, we're having, we're having a hard time, but we're eventually getting through this. <laughs> and then I remember like I, I had some friends play that with me, and uh, the... We were experiencing the Joy-Con issues at that point. Oh, good times. <laughs> yeah, you just can't win, man. You just can't win. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing yeah. the, the bots in that game like going up and down in a very AI-only kind of way. <laughs> yep, yep. The, uh, the, the last, at least, Switch game that I tried out recently, I've heard very good things about it. Finally, finally tried it. It was uh, Devin and I were playing this when he came over. But Windjammers, I picked that up physically on Switch a while back and got to try that with him, and that is a fun-as-hell game. The name rings a bell, but I haven't tried that. What kind of a game is that? It is essentially intense tennis with a disc instead of a ball and racket. Hmm, sounds interesting. I'd recommend picking it up. It It came out on Vita, it came out on Switch, of course. I think it's come out on a few other platforms, I think my thing was um, we had played around with the settings a bit. My only complaints were like when you initially launch, it goes into four by three. It's it it's a it's not an emulated version because I think there was a older like it's inspired by a very old Windjammers that came out on a previous system. Okay. I don't know the history behind it, but from what I gathered, that was it. And when we were playing it by default, you have a uh, you have scan lines and it's in four by three mode, and then I disabled scan line change it to 16 by 9 but the problem is i think they do the scan lines on purpose because the image was just way too soft nah. yeah and i i even pointed that out to devin i was like this doesn't like the it, this should look sharper right and he's like yeah no i was about to say the same thing it looks it looks soft let's turn those scan lines on <laughs> it must be the to do with the native performance or something if it came from the arcades I, that might make sense I guess so, but it looked like, I mean, it looked like an actual port because, you know, they adjusted all the buttons and such on there. It's so. weird. Yeah, it was, it's strange. I don't know, maybe someone in the comments can explain that a bit if they know more on it. But um, aside from that, the other games I've been playing, I did end up, uh, what was it, um, 
for some reason, just one day I was out and about and I said, I feel like finally cracking open Watch Dogs 2 for the first time. Really? How'd that work out so, for you? It was great, actually. I ended up, I had to download, I had to, I had to patch my PS4, and then I had to download a 12 gig update, <laughs> and then I was able to play it, but it was actually really enjoyable, and I will say, there was it was a little bit intense, because there was a lot that's going on at any given time on that game, but I I enjoyed the first one. It, t- it took some time to get back into, like, have you ever played the first Watch Dogs? Never. So, I'll say this, what got me into it was... Um, the first few times I tried it was was not crazy about it. Like it was it was okay, but what really got me into it was one day I was bored. I said I have nothing really going on. I was listening to podcasts while walking around the map and uh, doing like uh, hacking the towers and getting all my abilities and such as I could. And then after a few hours, when I was done of doing that, I upgraded myself as fast as I could. And I was like, okay, cool. Now I'm super overpowered. Let's start the first mission. And I started just kind of burning through it. And the first, it's a five act game. The first act is not good. I'll tell you that. But if you can trudge through the first act, which isn't that long, the game gets really good after that. And I really recommend it after act one. <laughs> Sounds interesting. Like a yeah. Grand Theft Auto for hackers or something. It, that's what it was. It was Grand Theft Auto for hackers. It took place in Chicago. That was like right at the peak of the Chicago drill music scene. It was awesome. <laughs> Sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, so I Watch Dogs 2 was fun, like the few hours I played at that. And then aside from that, the, the only other game I'm really working on right now or I'm actually trying to beat this, it is, uh, I, I believe, uh, The House in Feta Morgana. That's what it's called. Uh, it's a visual novel on Vita that I'm playing through right now. Hmm, that sounds right up my alley, actually. Yeah, I've been I've been into the visual novel thing. I know I know you and I we talked about this a little bit before, but I, I've been getting into those a bit since Death Note. Well, De- uh, Death Death Mark. Mark yeah. That's it. Yeah. Which, by the way, that is. Uh, um, I got my girlfriend onto that. That was the first game she beat on her Vita. Oh, nice. I'm still in the yeah. early moments of that game, but definitely on my list. Short term <sighs> <good>. list. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, I, I played it on PS4. I've beat it already once. I borrowed it and played it on PS4. And the whole time I was wanting to have it in handheld. So I the only reason why I picked up on Vita was because my girlfriend wanted to play it. I didn't have it in my collection also. I said, cool, let me get it on here. It'll give me a good excuse to replay it. If I could, like, go back and, like, if 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 her picking it for a system wasn't in the equation i probably would have just picked it up on switch because i really wanted it in handheld Mm. because i just don't like sitting in front of a big screen reading text for hours on end sure yeah no it's not a good fit (laughs) yeah yeah so i i would recommend play it on switch play it on vita or maybe a laptop or something um not just to you but to anybody who might be listening but the one thing the ps4 did have on it was when i was playing it i was playing it in my basement with the lights off and there were a few times I had to stop because the sound on it is great. And I, I'm a very imaginative person when I'm reading things. <laughs> so was not the it was a very creepy environment to be in just with the sound and with what I was imagining and with the content of the game. So there were a few times I'm like, you know what? I'm done for the night. I need to like look at puppies. And then oh, that's to bed. perfect. I'm actually excited to hear that <laughs> because, yeah, jump scares is the basic common scary thing but when it's done with audio when it's done right you know you can get that creepy atmosphere and yeah, which I, just feels so much so much better 
Yeah, I can say the game did not have any jump scares, but it, it did have a few moments where it was kind of like, like I kind of had something like that where I got surprised, but it doesn't rely on jump scares, and I was very happy about that. That's cool. Because jump scares are just, they're, they're just such a cheap, stupid tactic. Exactly, yeah. Totally sick of those. Yeah. Exactly. How's that uh, so, yeah. house one you mentioned? The house on something, something, something? Oh yeah, the house in Feta Morgana. I, I believe. Let let me double check the name of it. But the house in yeah, the house in Fata in Fata Morgana or Feta Morgana. I'm not sure how exactly you would pronounce it, but it's really good so far. Uh, I don't want to spoil too much of the story, but it's one of those where um, it doesn't rely so much on sound design. But I absolutely love the sound because the soundtrack on it is incredible. True. And uh, it's just a really nice story to, like, lay back and read and really get invested in. So I've been using my Vita. Like, I, I haven't been reading any of the books I have. I haven't been reading on my Kindle because right now, since this is what I'm playing and it's only reading, I'm using my Vita essentially as a book. Awesome. Yeah, I've done a bit so of that in my I, time for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's cool because it's like I, I literally... I've, I've been wanting to get individual novels. I have not gotten into them until this year. And yeah, so far, Deathmark was great. Um, House and Fate of Morgana was great. I know from you and from other people, I had uh, Valhalla recommended to me, which I really want to play that. And I'm just waiting for Limited Run to put out their, uh, their Switch version of it. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that'd be cool. Cool to have the physical yeah. copy on Switch for sure. Yeah, yeah. I had I know when when we had talked about it, there were some other people who jumped in. There's like, dude, you have to play this next play, play Valhalla next play. I'm like, I, I want to, but I'm waiting. Like, I just I I want to physically buy it and then I'll play it. I'm sorry. Fair enough. <clears throat> the nonary games as well. If you haven't played through that series, really really fun kind of visual novel slash escape room hybrid, but amazing series. I, I've heard very good things about them, heard a lot of recommendations, and I can proudly say I have all three of them. Oh, awesome. So I'll have to tackle those at one point. Yeah, sorted then. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Super fun. Yeah. Because, yeah, it was um, it was one of those two where I know, I believe uh, the Nonary, because I think the Nonary games, that's the collection of the first two, right? It's like 999 and Virtue's Last Escape. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I know that came out on Vita and PS4, I want to say. And I chose to get it for Vita because I, I didn't want to get 999 on the DS just because I'd rather play everything on one platform and I like the Vita more. Sure. And then on top of that, again, the visual novel type thing, I really don't want to be playing on a big screen TV, my visual novels. I want to play them in my hand. So um, that's been one of those genres. It's like if it comes to something like that, I'm either going to gun after the Vita or the Switch versions, whichever's available to me readily. Good choice. I actually played the second game on 3DS, but I would hazard a guess that the touch controls on Vita would be better than the PS4 version. Sure. You know, one one last thing I could say on the Vita, because I've, I've had this thought in my head, but I've, I've never actually said or run it by anyone. It It's disappointing that it flopped, because you can tell even just... If you have a Vita, just, like, because I think you have... I'm sure you probably have, like, a 1000 model, right? Yeah, I have the OLED. Yeah, so I, we, I've got those as well, too, and actually those are the only ones I have, aside from PSTV, but I, I was holding it, like, a few months ago, and I was like, wow... Sony really like they they made this hardy system. They had the expansion in there that never ever got used. They were trying to do some forward thinking, even though they kind of fell back on that. 
the system itself is extremely solid. Like, it's not as creaky as, you know, the PSPs I've messed with. It feels much more expensive as well, too. But even just the back touch sensor on there, when I look at that and see the details of, you know, the PlayStation mm. buttons that everyone's known of, mm. I looked at that and I was like, damn, Sony actually really tried their hardest in terms of building this thing from a hardware level. They went in on it, yeah. It's really well designed, super durable. Um, it's It's kind of amazing that they gave up on it when they did or you know i guess it's all to do with first party sale figures and all that so it kind of makes sense from a profit standpoint but yeah just such a yeah. great little system really robust i would i would hope it would be durable because handhelds you, you the switch does not feel as durable if you're going to drop it or something but i know like the ds that was it's it's durable but it has some some flaws Those like hinges, i know the shoulder buttons the hinges can, always the hinges went are, <laughs> dude i got i got a story for you my my youngest brother um because there was one christmas both of my brothers i have two brothers that are younger than me uh they got ds lights and one time they were messing around and one of them knocked over the other's ds light and i was like hey dude tell the parents about it my youngest brother goes over and he's just like mom dad this brother did this to my ds and he demonstrated what happened and I just hear the horrible sound of plastic hitting tile with force and echoing. <laughs> and I was in such immense pain when I heard that. It was demonstrating. He was demonstrating. He took he took his DS and tossed it onto the ground. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's also that there's there's been that. There was also another time where his hinge just opens and closes that's it there's no medium between it <laughs> but but one time our parents were telling him like hey dude you gotta be really careful with this thing if you break it we're not gonna get another two minutes after they have the conversation with him he drops it on concrete that's the only way to learn is to not replace it for him eh? like yeah yeah and, it, and it's one of those have you ever had it where it's like your parents they're really disapproving and they're they're so mad at you but they just they can't they can't get mad at you at that point so they just tell you get in the car or go to your room they just they quietly tell you that that that's what happened there <laughs> yeah i guess so that's <laughs> oh, the the worst way to try play a ds is when you've got no hinge and it's just flappy <laughs> yeah yeah but i think i think at this point the next time i do see them i think i'm going to treat them to some new ds's because now it's actually getting to the point where they're wanting to go back and mess around with the DS Lite again and their games on there. They're having a really fun time, you know, like running through what they used to play and such. And one of their DSs, there's some issues here and there with it, and the right shoulder button just stopped working. And the other one still works fine, but it's just the hinge is just open or closed. So DS Lights are cheap enough now, so I might just treat them to some newer ones. Yeah, you'd be like Father Christmas rocking up. <laughs> exactly exactly my my goal has always been to be the cool older brother there you go man that's an awesome idea and there's still so many amazing <laughs> games on the ds too you chuck a flash card in for them they'll be set for life exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh man anyways i think you know i think that's it for me for the games i've been playing is there, is there anything else you want to add in oh no i'm useless i just uh i gotta force myself that's what kind of what i do with streams like if i ever get to the stage of scheduling streams which is you know where i want to be you know within six months i might have a schedule figured out or something um 
yeah, then I'll be able to force myself to play games. And, you know, maybe I'm uploading once a week and streaming twice a week. Who knows? But if you have that schedule, <laughs> that'll force the game time from me. Because my time's split pretty thin sometimes and the gaming time is pretty sacred. But, yeah, I've got big goals. The retro thing is a big one. Like, that's kind of what I want to do with my stream is have days of just playing a single retro game, you know, try and finish that game on stream. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'll tell you, I'm I'm not a big stream watcher, but I would love to see you dish out some retro content. Yeah, it's definitely in the pipeline because oh, so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, there was, I don't think you re-uploaded this anywhere, but um, if if you remember your your PS Classic video you did, I actually really enjoyed that one. Oh yeah, PlayStation Classic. I um. I knocked it pretty early on and I was just sort of had access to my friend's one at the time, but then I'm now guilty of having picked one up for 20 bucks. <laughs> so. Dude, I'm okay. Who's not going to pick one up for 20 bucks? It's so worth it just for the I picked up a second one for 20 bucks. <laughs> there you go. Nice little controllers. It's a cute little thing. So even if you didn't turn it on, it's almost worth it for 20 bucks. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You're, you, you can justify it as, you know, ten dollars per controller and a nice little decoration or one dollar per game or divvy it up however the hell you want to but 20 bucks is that that was a discussion i had on mod chat as well recently too it's like the the true value of the playstation classic is twenty dollars because that is the price point in which it started to somewhat fly off store shelves yes you make a good point there <laughs> yeah like there, there's a lot of people I'm, I'm sure you saw there's a lot of people who knocked on the price of the nintendo and super nintendo classic and oh you could just build a pie and do this other mm. stuff it's like look you can say that but nintendo classic 60 bucks it never went on sale it sold out with no issues super nintendo classic 80 bucks never went on sale sold out with no issues true yeah and uh yeah. playstation classic at that price probably comes in under a lot of the most popular pie builds doesn't it so extremely competitive exactly well i mean with with the playstation classic you get everything running out of the bot well okay everything aside from a power cable but it's just micro usb so you probably have 20 of those lying around your house at minimum yeah. so you're really good to go for 20 bucks while as for a pie setup yeah you are going to get much more versatility and such but it's 35 dollars for the board by itself true only frustrating thing with the classic is all those usb dramas and like which flash drives are compatible and ugh, it's a rabbit hole. i do need to update i do need to update my auto well i need to try auto bleem and i need to update my bleem sync but apparently as of the more recent updates you can just use an otg cable and at that point you don't run into the usb issue anymore because you just use the otg cable on the back of the system and you plug your power into that, and then you can plug any USB drive into it. It's a good workaround. I'm hearing that frees up two-player stuff as well, so definitely the way yes, to go does. out of the box by default. Yes, it does. And then there's that USB yeah. mod or something you can do, right? But that sounds a bit too complex. Uh, you're talking about the one where you essentially just like kind of bridge a few points on the board, and then you can hook up any USB? Yeah, I've heard it like increases the power or something like that. Yeah, I've I've thought of doing that, but for my own PlayStation, I might because now I have two. But for my own, I wanted to keep it to as much of a user experience as I could with, um, you know, to do videos and such. So that way, it's like, oh, I don't have a advantage over other people's hardware. It's like I'm on the same yeah, playing yeah, yeah. field, so I can diagnose things and run into issues and you know, run into the same things that others are going to. Definitely very beneficial to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works out. <laughs> Oh man. Anyways, this has been 
don't know. This, this has been awesome. Two hour podcast. This went on longer than I expected here. Uh, but I, I guess to outro you, uh, Skeletor, where can people find you online? Yeah. So look me up. It's the Homebrew Crew on YouTube or uh, Skeletor NZ on Twitter or Twitch. Probably the best places. I will. I will take all three of those, and I'm. I'm just going to put the links down below in the description on YouTube. So if you're uh, if you're watching this or if you're listening and you come to the YouTube uh, side of things to check this out, uh, all Skulltour's links are going to be down below in the description. So I definitely recommend checking them out and subscribing as well too, so we can get those numbers up. Oh shucks, thanks Mario. You're the best, and I gotta say, <laughs> man, keep doing what you do. You're an inspiration. It's so nice to see a homebrew channel that's made it to 100k sure we've got like modern vintage gamer he's up there too you know but you're out there yeah you you're, you're the one man well, th- <laughs> thank you i appreciate it. i don't i don't want i don't want to be an inspiration i never sought out to be an inspiration i'm i you you've seen what like no, nobody who finds fat man funny should be an inspiration to others all right <laughs> but this is the fucked up humor that i have oh nah man it's definitely the word i would use as inspiration because i was thinking like should i come back to youtube or shouldn't i but then you know you've made it work so yeah there's there's hope well well, thank you thank you dude i appreciate it and yeah i know it's just i've i've been trying to whore out your channel as best as i could here and there so i i know again i'm I'm happy to definitely see your numbers getting up there and everything because you you do good stuff dude cheers man yeah i just gotta get active again and i can feel like with this custom theme video that was just put out i can feel the the passions rising up again so can't be too far away for sure for sure so sometimes you know sometimes it's not bad to have a fresh start yeah kind of like reinstalling your operating system it's just everything's nice and fast that's true like i've learned so much about youtube in that time and this sort of forces me to put a lot of into practice like even with the stream i did today i used to set it so that the vods would appear on youtube and they would notify subscribers but like i know that people aren't actually interested in those so now i'm just gonna make it so that the vods yeah they'll be there unlisted or whatever but they're not gonna <laughs> they're not gonna nag on people's subscription wall and all that sort of stuff you know that just forces the best practices to come in right right i i know it's no, those vods can be hard to really market on on YouTube and such because it's just well, they're not let's plays. It, it, they're it, not it, highly edited content, you know. So they they're better off mm-hmm. living on Twitch or whatever as highlights. Of course, I, I think it's one of those things. The the hard thing can be what what you want to do might not what you want to do might not be what your audience wants you to do. And that's and a big there's secret. a little bit of a give and take on that, you know it's good to satisfy your audience but at the same time you also want to be all like hey you're not going to control everything i sometimes i just want to do this shit yeah. big secret for the audience that are aspiring youtubers is try to be making content for others <laughs> definitely be thinking about what others want to be seeing rather than exactly. what you just want to be putting up because that's that's where you'll find I- success is through search I will say I'm kind of a, a, I think it's because, you know, since I hit the, 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 the goal, you know, the hundred K goal and everything, and I'm happy with it. I'm just like, I've said multiple times, like I never expected this, but you know, at this point, if, I, if the growth stops, I'm totally cool with it. And that's why I kind of just upload what I want to, when I want to, I'm still on my schedule, but it's like my last video was a PSP video. This next upcoming video, at least this will be the next one that's been released, you know, 
once this episode comes out but it's another psp video they're not in super high demand or anything but it's like you know what this is something that i'm interested in i'm passionate about i'm doing this stuff right now i feel like recording this and if i really feel like tackling this and i'm passionate about it it's going to make for a good video yeah it's good to have that balance and when you've got that passion it definitely shows through so loads of people will be sharing it anyway for sure. Sometimes I am going to do videos, you know, to, you know, snatch up something timely, like, you know, the PS3 exploit updated tools or like Vita stuff that comes out or, you know, whenever PS4 updates. But even those ones, I really don't mind lagging behind because there's people who will come right out the gate with videos. Yeah. Most are bad. Some are good. But with me, I'm just like, yeah, if I'm going to, I don't okay i'll delay it by two weeks it's fine and then i'll see what other issues get ironed out and then i can bake those into the video so it works out well enough that's ideal yeah when you get all the updates into your slightly delayed video slightly delayed video because it's you know impossible to update a video (laughs) exactly yeah sadly just update the description that's all we can do (laughs) exactly that's all we can do damn it (laughs) oh boy Anyways, everyone, thank you all for listening, watching, tuning in, however you do. Again, as I've said a few times, this is a podcast, so if you're watching this and you're interested in checking out the audio version, please look up Mario's Minute on one of your favorite podcasting apps or platforms. It's available on most of them, not all of them, but most of them. And as for anybody listening, this is also available on YouTube, where it's just kind of available to, in a minor video form and if you want to participate in the conversation you can leave a comment and one thing i do like to do and i guess i'm gonna lean on you a bit scholator for this but to see who made it to the end i like to use a keyword and if somebody uses this keyword in their comment on the youtube video we will know because we can look at the comments and we can know they made it to the end so is there any word you're thinking of which we can use as a keyword for this episode hmm Maybe let's go with Valhalla. Valhalla? That'll work. All right. If, I, I'd be interested to see how people toss that in. <laughs> but if you want to talk about going to Valhalla or you've played the game Valhalla or you're wanting to play it or you really liked the map Valhalla on Halo 3 or even if you just put Valhalla in a comment, Skulltor and I are going to know that you made it to the end. <laughs> Good system. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> but yeah dude thank you so much for coming on it's definitely been a blast talking thanks for having me man it was a great anytime it was great yeah for sure for sure anyways this is mr mario signing off thank you all for watching and listening everyone until next month peace out